Good morning, church. It's good to be here, and thank you for those of us that could make it into the room and those watching online. It's good to have you with us this morning. Um, we are coming towards the end of our sermon series on the book of Jeremiah, and today I'll be speaking on a new covenant, and a new covenant, and the text is um, Jeremiah 31, verse 31 to 34. Before it comes up on the screen, I just, while preparing for this preach, I just felt that God would just say a couple of things to us. If you have been following this chapter, if you've read chapter 31 from the first verse, there's a lot in this chapter that summarizes the sermon series of endings and beginnings. And um, in verse 1 to 2, God was speaking to children of Israel, saying a new beginning, a new season of rest a season of hope, a season of restoration, stating that the season of barrenness and tiredness is over. And as I was just preparing, I didn't know if you're here this morning and you're really tired. You're really, really tired. It's like nobody gets it, but you're in a way in quotes barren and just dry and really struggling. I feel God wants to speak to you this morning and he wants to announce to you that this season is coming to an end. A new season is coming, but will you allow him to do it? Just allow him to usher you to this new season. Verses 3 talks about God was assuring them, reassuring them of how much he loved them with an everlasting love. I, I suppose this is important because they've been on exile for 70 years. And God was just trying to tell you, I've not forgotten you, I love you. God was trying to reassure them. I feel, God, we want to reassure you this morning of his love. Maybe you're feeling very lonely. He loves you. And maybe the places where you're expecting love from, you're not getting it. I just want to pray that you will experience God's love in this new season in Jesus' name. Verse 4 to 5 talks about the season of rebuilding and planting says, I will rebuild you, my virgin Israel. You will again be a happy and dance merrily with your tambourines. Again, you will plant your vineyards on the mountains of Samaria and eat from your own gardens. This is a season of restoration. Please expect it. Oftentimes when we have a sermon series like this, you, it's easy to just treat it like a sermon series. And I just felt God reminding me, this is what I want to do in this season to bring new beginnings and end the season of dryness, the season of sorrow, the season of pain. He wants to usher you. Would you allow him this morning? Would you allow him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you because you're here. We thank you because you're already speaking to us from the songs that the band brilliantly led us on, that you're here with us on the prophetic words that you're wanting to save us because you know we can't save ourselves. And that's the whole point of you coming to die on the cross. Even as we look at this preach this morning on the new covenant, we just ask that you speak to us and bless us, encourage us, inspire us, and may we leave here better than we came in Jesus' name. Let the church say, believe in amen. amen. Before we get into the text, I just want to read Jeremiah 31 verse 22. It's going to come up on the screen. It says, how long will you wonder, my wayward daughter, for the Lord will cause something new to happen. Israel, we embrace her God. Now, God is saying that he wants to do something new that will cause us to embrace our God. 
Israel, embrace their God. The new thing God will cause to happen is the new covenant, which he's about to make with Israel. The new covenant is what is going to enable Israel embrace her God. Now, we're going to read together the text, Jeremiah 31, from verse 31 to 34. It's going to come up. Can we read three to go? The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with the ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. I will forgive their wickedness, I will never again remember your sins. Amen. Amen. I'd like to begin with a quick definition of what's a covenant. A covenant, an agreement, usually formal, between two or more persons to do or not do something specified. A covenant in the Asian world was similar to what we in the modern world would call a contract, treaty, or will. Each covenant established the basis of a relationship, conditions for that relationship, promises and conditions of the relationship and consequences if those conditions were unmet. And that's what a covenant was. And God was saying in this verse we just read, he's going to do a, establish a new covenant. Before we take a look at this new covenant, I want us to look at verse 28 to 30. Because verse 28 to 30, just the preceding verses before our text, highlights a very fundamental principle that we hope is appreciate the preach this morning. I read um, to 20, Jeremiah 31, verse 28b to 30. But in the future, I will just as deliberately plant it and build it up. I, the Lord, have spoken. The people will no longer quote this proverb. The parents have eaten sour grapes, but their children's mouth poke out the taste. All people will die for their own sins. Those who eat the sour grapes will be the ones whose mouths will poker. Basically, this verse is just talking about what you sow is what you reap. Now, this is a very fundamental principle, all true scriptures, established by God in himself. What you sow, you will reap. Whatever you plant, you will harvest. And God was highlighting this principle in this verse just before he talked about the new covenant. And when I was meditating on it, my understanding was mainly around God had to fulfill this principle to bring about the new covenant, which we're going to see in a minute. But let me just read the first time this scripture was quoted, that, that this verse we just read referenced, Genesis 8.22. It says, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. John 12, 24 says, I tell you the truth. 
unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plenty harvest of new lives. The seed was ordained by God to ensure this increase, sustainability, multiplication. The trees were created to bear fruit, but inside the fruit was the seed for another tree. He created Adam and Eve as seeds for the over 7 billion people we have in the world today. All to creation, we see this principle. God always starts things with seeds and the multiply to bring, bring about a harvest. Everyone has a seed, a gift, a talent, a skill put in us by God for our benefit, our own benefit and the benefit of the world. We often despise it because it looks small. But if we plant it, it can produce a plentiful harvest. Now, you know, there's something about God that really fascinates and encourages me. God, when he sets a principle, he follows it. He, he, God, he said, by two immutable things, it's impossible for God to lie. God does not go against his word. When he's not like, you know, I can say something in the morning and change my mind. But that's not God for you. When he says this, he's eternally committed to it. Now, when God set this principle of sowing and reaping in place, and he was speaking prophetically through Jeremiah to the children of Israel, that I'm going to give you a new covenant. But the new covenant was going to be fulfilled by this principle. Amen. Galatians 6, 7 says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Whatever you want to harvest, plant into it. Whatever you want to reap, sow into it. If we want to harvest eternal life, a life with Jesus, not just only in this world, but also in the world for eternity, we must sow our lives by accepting the gift of salvation. When Adam ate the fruit in disobedience to God, he died. All mankind died. He sowed disobedience and he reaped you know, death, spiritual death, separation from God, separation from communion and intimate fellowship with God. We sowed, Adam, um, uh, representing the whole of mankind, sowed into lawlessness, and we reaped vanity and emptiness. We sowed into disobedience from God and reaped a life without God, full of confusion and stress. We sowed into sin, and we were to reap death, because the wages of sin is death, in Romans 6.23. Now, this was our man, this is where we're heading to. But God, being a God of wisdom, had put something in place and in the old covenant. And that's stated in Leviticus 17 verse 11. It's going to come up on the screen. A very powerful verse. It says, For the life of the blood is of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. So in the text we read, God was going to do a new covenant. However, there was an old covenant. If, they, if God was bringing about a new covenant, there was an old covenant. The old covenant had in it that when, any, when, when the children of Israel fell into sin, they committed sin, they had to atone for their sins by the shedding of a blood. And then it was animals, it was depending on the severity of the sin, it might be a bird, it might be a calf. You had to get a spotless lamb because of this principle God had set in place that purification can only be possible with a blood. That's the old covenant. So in the old covenant, the old covenant was the covenant God made with the people of Israel 
after rescuing them from slavery in Egypt. It's a covenant God established with them upon stones when he gave Moses the, the Ten Commandments. Moses was the mediator of that covenant. The main component of, the com, com, of that covenant was Ten Commandments, a call for Israel to be faithful and obedient to God, you know, and if they fall short of that, they have to come make a sacrifice with an animal. The high priest, once a year, takes it in. That was the way it was, because it was very difficult to meet up to God's standard. So God put up a solution that, oh, the bloods of animals, we atone. However, in this text, we see that Jesus saying, a new covenant, a new covenant is to overthrow the old covenant, where we don't need to shed bloods of animals. And that's why the blood of Jesus was shed, to give us access. So have you just paused? At times I wonder, why is it that Jesus had to die? Jesus could have, God would have waved his hands and saved the whole world. There's so many, God is God, there's nothing, he can do all things. But the reason was because of this, this verse. Blood has to be shared. Because God gave them that law in the old covenant. That without the, rem, the, the remission, I mean shedding of blood, there can be no remissions of sin. So blood had to be shared. So God will not go against the covenant he had put in place. Even though he wanted to establish a new covenant. So he had to send Jesus to come and die and shed his blood to announce a new covenant so that we don't reap sin, death, when we sow and live in, in disobedience to God. Now, I am saying this to say that, just to encourage us to value, for those of us that are following Jesus, to understand the depth of what Christ did. God is so committed to principles he sets in place in scriptures that even to save the world, he had to follow it. He had to follow it by making sure that Jesus came. A table is going to come up behind me on the screen, which just shows the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant required obedience to the Mosaic law for righteousness and salvation. In the new covenant, salvation is by grace, through faith in Christ alone. The old covenant was mediated by Moses. This new covenant was mediated by Jesus Christ. It was officiated, the old covenant was officiated by, by human priests offering animal sacrifices. But Christ serves as the one high priest and paid the ultimate sacrifice once and for all for sin. And that's why the Bible says that for God so loved the world in John 3.16 that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the new covenant. We all have access if we believe in the finished work of Christ. The law was written externally on stone tablets. The new covenant is to be written internally in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The, the old covenant was with one nation, but this new covenant is open to all nations. Look in the room. There are people from every nation here following Jesus. The new covenant is to all nations. The old covenant was just Israel. But the new covenant is open to all nations. I don't need to go to Israel, to the mounts to meet God. Because anywhere I am, if I believe in Jesus, I can meet God where I am. That's the beauty of the new covenant. The new covenant made us not to end salvation by works, by what I do. Because they couldn't meet up. I don't know about you this morning. God has been speaking so clearly. If you may be far from the Lord 
Maybe you've never ever made a decision to follow Jesus. This service is for you because that's why Jesus came, to give you access to this new covenant. It's a new way of life that is superior to the old covenant. The blood of Jesus, remember the testimony Tass shared, paid the debt. So you don't have to do anything. You just, just receive it by faith. So if you're here, you're not yet following Jesus. The beauty of the Christian faith, that it's not by the works of your own flesh that you'll be saved. Because the best of our efforts cannot give us salvation. That's why Jesus came in following that sowing. Jesus, God sowed Jesus' life to reap millions of people following him today. Are you seeing the principle? For God wanting to harvest so many souls to become followers of Jesus. Hundreds of millions in different continents of the globe today are following Jesus. This morning, I gave a lift to a friend who's just from Iran. And I said, why are you in this country? And he said, it's because he decided to follow Jesus. And there was a lot of persecution in his life. His family was basically going to die. And he fled and landed here. And just listening to him, I was filled with emotions. From Iran, from Nigeria, Nigerian, South Africa, different parts, the nations, because of that seed that Jesus shared on the cross by committing his life, dying on the cross after three days resurrected. So what I'm just trying to say is that if you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, it was because of you Jesus died. We all, like, um, 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 like the prophetic word that came earlier, we're all far from God. We were all far. We were where you used to be now. You know, and we were, we were where you are now. We used to be there. But Jesus, we accepted him and he made the difference in our lives. And I just feel that this service, as I was praying, and, and I just feel God really wants to call you home. He wants to bring you back. And that's for those that have not known him before. He wants you to come accept him as your Lord and Savior. And if you're here, you've known him, but maybe life happened and you just... You left, you backslid it. He wants to call you back. The Father wants to call you back. And just open up yourself and let today become the beginning of the best days of your life, making a commitment to follow Jesus. That's what makes the difference. That's what the new covenant is all about. Forgiveness of sin is by the blood of Jesus, no more by blood of animals. We all, we all have access in the old covenant the high priest goes in once in a year with the, the, in the blood to the messy seats. You know, he has to go into the Holy of Holies once a year. But in the new covenant, we all have access. If you have given your life to Jesus, you can talk to God wherever you are. And he's going to listen. We all have that veil was torn from top to bottom to give us all access. You have access. You have access. And Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are wide open. We're going to sing that song in a minute. But before that, I just feel so strongly that God wants you to come back home. Especially for those of us that are far, far away from him. He wants you to come back home. Repentance is your seed for restoration. The whole point of the new covenant is that we can receive salvation by grace, not by our works. The prodigal son repented and there was restoration in his life. Please don't. God has not given up on you. God has not given up. That you're in this service this morning is because he loves you. And he wants to restore you back. 
and we'll have some time to minister, to just to pray. And I just feel, God, we want to restore a lot of people back. The new covenant is not to condemn you. It's to give you access. It's to give you access to the finished work of Christ. It's the new covenant. Is If you read that text, if you can put up that verse and 31 to 34 on the screen again, please. There's some key things that were mentioned in that verse. I just wanted to show you. It said, but this new covenant, the, the key word there is, I made with the ancestors. Then verse 33, but this is the new covenant. I will make with the people of Israel, says the Lord. I will put my instructions. I will write. The emphasis of this new covenant is about God. It's about Jesus. It's not about you. He's the one that has done all the work. So you don't have to do anything. You just need to receive it by faith. He said, I, I will put, I will write. I, it's about him. In the old covenant, it's about their own efforts. So they always tried. Man's, and the more you try, they fell short. But in the new covenant, he's done all the work. We just need to receive it by faith. We just need to receive. He went all the extent to sow this Jesus as a seed for the salvation of the whole of humanity. And that's why you're here. So I just want to encourage us this morning. Can you make a commitment to give your life to Christ if you've not done that? And if maybe you have been far away from him, would you come back home? The Father wants you. Amen. In a, in a few minutes, the band is going to come up and we're going to pray. And we're going to, not yet, but just they will come out. I'll let you know when, when it's time for you to come up. But I just want us to just, I feel this meeting is for responses, for us to respond to this new covenant, which God wants to do in our hearts. Amen. While I was preparing for the preach, verse 28 and 20 to 30 that we talked about, I just felt God speaking to me about it, and I just wanted to touch on a few things around that. So the first thing I've touched on was salvation is by grace. So Jesus was sold as a seed to win the whole of us, multitudes to him. Now, but I want to talk to those of us that are already following Jesus. And I just want to dwell a bit some of this principle of sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting. Because now that we're following Jesus... Even though it's not our works that gives us salvation, because salvation is already given by the, by the finished work of Christ. However, to make the most in this kingdom, we have to be careful with the kind of seeds we sow. Because this, the, the principle still applies. So even though we're saved by grace, not about your salvation, you're saved if you believe in Jesus, you accept you're saved. However, in this new kingdom... To make the most of what God has for us in this new kingdom, we must continue to engage effectively this law of what you sow, you reap. Because it's a scripture that cannot be broken. It doesn't affect your salvation. You'll make heaven if you believe in Jesus. But to make the most of this kingdom, we have to apply what, what carefully what we sow. And I just wanted to touch on a few of those. Then we'll, we'll have a time to respond and pray. Relationships. You will reap what you sow when it comes to relationships. You will harvest what you plant. In a church our size, it's very easy to say no one looks for me. No one checks up on me. No one cares. As much as I'm, I'm not here to deny how you feel, but the truth is, oh, my question to you today is, are you checking up on others? 
are you caring for others? Oftentimes, you reap what you sow, but the, where you reap it from is not necessarily from the people you're sowing it to. That's the balance I want to give. So at times you're serving others, but God is so good. It's not necessarily from the people you're serving, checking up that you will get it back. Most times it won't come from them. But God is so faithful that he will make sure that this principle is fulfilled. You will reap what you sow. By using people you don't know from anywhere to, to, to serve you and bless you. Because the scriptures cannot be broken. So I'm basically trying to say that whatever you want to see in relationships, you need to sow it. Oftentimes, it will not be the people you're caring from. God, that, that we, 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 we reciprocate it. As long as we live on this side of eternity, there will be offenses in relationships. It's either you cause offense or you're offended. Offenses will come. So, but can I encourage you this morning to forgive? If you don't forgive, you don't, if you don't sow forgiveness, forgiveness is a seed for mercy. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive all those who trespass against us. I just feel that God wants to heal unforgiveness this morning. Some of us are in this room, you're really holding unforgiveness. But I hear God say, would you let go? Forgive. Forgive. Unforgiveness is a stronghold in our culture. I need to get even. But in this kingdom, the new covenant demands that you forgive. Because that's how we obtain salvation, by forgiveness. There's something I just even want to encourage you. Years ago, I learned how to forgive in advance. So to just make an allowance to forgive people even before they offend me. And it was tested while I was in the uni. It was tested heavily because something happened in school that basically it meant that I had to have an extra year, not because I failed academically, but because of some things about fellowships on campus and the university. It's a long story. But the summary of it is fellow believers that we pray together, seek God together, wrote a letter to the vice chancellor dissociating themselves from me, saying that, no, they, they don't know me. <laughs> So I was genuinely surprised how all of a sudden they basically just dissociated, basically betrayed me and said, I'm the cause of the problem. I don't want to go into the details of it. But that was a big test for me on unforgiveness. I later met some of them and like, you know what you did? It was like they gave you a gun to shoot me and you shot me. I said, but I forgive you. I said, it's maybe the pressures of life that made you make that decision. My point is that what is it that someone will do to me that will make me not to forgive them? When Jesus forgave me, when Jesus forgave me, what is it that someone would do to you that will make you to be so cross that you will not forgive? I'm not here to downplay the severity of it, but I'm saying Jesus forgave you. So why can't you sow forgiveness so that you can reap mercy? Unforgiveness holds you back more than even the person that you're holding it towards. So can I just encourage us as a church as we walk these endings and new beginnings. I feel so strongly in my spirit that somebody is here that you need to forgive to usher you to the new season, the new beginning. You need to literally walk out of this meeting and, and just seek for reconciliation and forgive. The person might not change, but you let them go. Forgive them in the name of the Lord. You will reap what you sow. 
The final point I want to make on relationship is don't be parasitic in your relationship. Always receiving and never giving back. You know, there are people like that. They're always receiving. And the challenge about that is when you're so introspective, it's all about you. So you forget about others. It's about the problems you're going through, everything you're going through. Nobody's doing this for me. You're, it's a burden. Any, have you, anybody that's parasitic in, in any relationship becomes a burden. And you become offended, you know, and you don't, there's no joy. Everything the universe gives and receives, we, we breathe out, I mean, carbon dioxide, the plants take it, they release oxygen, everything gives and receives. The dead sea is dead because it only receives. So you can't live your life just being parasitic. Try to find something to give. Send a text to someone. Check up on someone. Be a blessing. Pray for someone. Look out for people. That's the way this can, because what you sow, you will reap. Smile at people. You will reap it back. The scriptures cannot be broken. I'm talking about how to make the most of our time on this side of eternity. Jesus has already paid the price by giving us salvation. But to make the most of it, we must be careful what we plant. Because we harvest what we plant. Thoughts. What, what do you think about? We harvest what we think about the most. We become our dominant thoughts. Honestly, if you think so much about fornication and adultery, you will commit one. It's not, it's not, it's because it's a law. Anybody that plant, the farmer that plants maize will reap maize. You can't plant maize and reap banana. It's impossible. So you cannot plant, you know, negative thoughts, negative thoughts, negative thoughts, and be surprised why you're not, you're, you're manifesting it. It's a law. So to make the most is we have to settle down a bigger. What am I thinking about? What am I thinking about? Because what you think, I, the, the first preach we started in this sermon series was Jeremiah 1. Watch the question God asked Jeremiah in verse 11. So what do you see? Remember, he asked Jeremiah, what do you see? I feel as a church, what do you see concerning that challenge you're facing? What do you see concerning your workmates? What do you see concerning your spouse? What do you see concerning your life group members? What do you see? What do you see concerning that challenge? Jesus has paid the price. Are you saying that I am victorious? Because no matter what, if you like, pray and pray and pray. If you don't change what you see, because what, what's the whole purpose of coming to church? Is we're trying to change our, say being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed. What happens in church is we're trying to change our thought patterns to what the scripture says. So because when we change our thinking, we manifest it. This is so powerful that in Genesis 15, verse 1 to 5, God wanted to trans God, God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a child. And, and it's not forthcoming. Do you know what God did to help Abraham believe that prophecy? God took Abraham out to the stars. So can he count, count the stars in the sky? That if he can count them, that's the way his children will be. Basically, God was trying to give him a mental picture of what, he's not had any child. What's mental picture? Are you picturing yourself in the light of what God has said about you or in the light of the circumstance you're facing? 
God's word is superior. Think about it. From my personal experience, every time I think about the word of God a lot, I'm more patient. I don't react. I'm not cranky. The more I spend on time, because there's something about scriptures where you meditate, we, we manifest our predominant thoughts. So I, I want to encourage us in this season as we look at endings and beginnings. This is a good place to start thinking creatively. What is it I want to see? Okay, at the moment I struggle with my prayer. I need to see myself. Start seeing yourself spending time, enjoying spending time in prayer. Start seeing yourself enjoying spending time in reading your Bible. Start seeing your time yourself enjoying spending time in sharing your faith. Telling other people that, oh, there was a time I used to struggle with that. If you see that and you see it long enough, trusting God in faith, it's going to happen. But if you keep seeing yourself that, oh, prayer, I don't like to fast. I don't like to do this. This is my cross. That also manifests itself. These are spiritual principles that, um, principles that applies to anything. Because God put it in the universe to bring justice and fairness. What do you sow your time? We reap what we sow our time in. What, whatever your time, what do you invest your time into? No matter the profession you want to become, you must sow time into it. If you want to become a doctor, you want to become a builder, you must learn. You must sow time into it. Young people in the room, if you want whatever you want to become, you must sow time into it. No amount of prayer or fasting will make you become a doctor. If you don't go to school, pass your GCSE, A-level, you can fast and pray till tomorrow. You will never become one. The same thing, what trades do you want to learn? Apprenticeship. Nothing is going to happen if you don't sow time into it. So what are you sowing time into? What are we spending time into? I will tell you a story as I begin a roundup. In my final year in the secondary school, I had my head boy. He loves Jesus. Very, very dedicated follower of Jesus. But instead of time when we're supposed to go to class, he, he, that was when Dix, the Dix Bible commentary, he's going to open almost four or five different translations of the Bible on top of the bunk bed and be studying. Then I will come back. I said to him, guy, you did, let's go to class. At this rate, you're going to fail. You know, he said, no, he needs to spend time praying. You know, I'm, I said, you're miss, you're, you were in school to learn. You're missing. I tried several times to explain to him because I was really concerned. This is wrong. Guess what? When the result came, he had, he had F9 parallel. It was the worst result an head boy of the school has ever had. Does that make God unrighteous? No. He loves Jesus, but he was not sowing into his studies. And oftentimes, church folks, we think because we're following Jesus, yes, we're following Jesus, is great, but you still need to follow the principle that what you want to harvest, you sow into it. I want to encourage you and encourage whatever area of your life you want, you want to grow in God, sow into it. Spend time reading scriptures. Spend time meditating. Then you see yourself grow. It doesn't just happen. Whatever you want to harvest, sow into it. If you begin to commit to it by the grace of God, the quality of the Christian life you live, even the quality of life you live on this side of eternity, it just increases. Yes, salvation 
accepting the gift of salvation gives us access to eternity. We'll make heaven. But to make the most here, it just helps when you live by these principles. The band can start coming up. The last point I'll just talk about is talents and treasures. What do you sow your time, your money? How, what do you sow it in? Do you sow it into the kingdom of God? You know, oftentimes, this is a very, very close to my heart because I see a lot of church folks, most times, very, very, not following some of the principles that God has set in place, and they suffer and struggle unnecessarily. For example, finances. Many of us, you know, don't have very good habits with our finances. We are not good planners. We are not good budgeting skills. We don't have savings. We don't, I'm not trying to condemn anyone here. But you're not investing in learning good habits of spending be, be, below your means, of leaving your time per size because life is in sizes, of leaving, you're, not, you're just trying to go on holiday even when you don't have the money to go. You get into unnecessary debt. Then, then you just wonder, why am I not coming out of poverty? God, don't, it's complex than what I'm saying. The point I'm just trying to make is, whatever you want to harvest, you must sow into it. Sow into learning good financial habits. Sow into, we have cap in the church for a reason. Go to learn how to do those things. Because that's, there's the principles that will make wealth grow. Learn how to give to God. Learn how to serve God, use your money well. Learn how to live your time per time. Learn how to learn these habits because you will harvest what you sow. A lot of people in church fast, fast and pray for wealth, but never get it because they are breaking fundamental laws. I'm just trying to say to us as a church, let's be a people that learn how to walk. The book of Proverbs, when you have time, has golden nuggets on practice. They learn from the ants. They do not sow. They, they prepare. There's so many things we can learn from the scriptures. The fact that we're following Jesus does not mean we should become lazy and become irresponsible that don't follow these principles. That's what this is all about. For the new covenant, we need, it was obtained by sowing and reaping. Jesus sowed his life. For we to reap the fullness of faith after we give our lives and to make the most of it, we must be ready to sow into various areas and begin to sow so that consciously be intentional. We're going to sing, oh, come to the altar, because back to the top, I feel there are people here that wants, God wants to call you back home. You've been far from him. He wants to call you back. And if you're a live group leader, I mean, a regional overseer of a live group, people that pray for people, when the song starts singing, please, and as we stand up, please come to the front, because I feel that the Lord wants to help us to do our part. He has done his own part. He wants to help us. He wants to forgive you if you're, you're not yet following Jesus. He wants to heal you if you're carrying a lot of unforgiveness. So much pain. People have hurt you so much that you're struggling to forgive. As we sing, the Father's arms is here to heal, to restore, and to bring deliverance. Can we be up on our feet as we sing, Oh, come to the altar?